Chapter Twelve of Audrey Craven by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twelve. Audrey had made a faint protest against Wyndham's realistic presentation of Flaxman Reed. In doing so, she was not guided by any insight into the character of that divine, or by any sympathy with his aims. Indeed, she could not have understood him if she had tried. Her thoughts had never travelled along that avenue of time down which Wyndham had tracked his pathetic figure to the thirteenth century. She merely wanted to avoid a slavish acquiescence in Wyndham's view, to guard a characteristic intellectual attitude. Intellect has its responsibilities, and she was anxious to show herself impartial. In all this, Flaxman Reed counted for nothing. It was intolerable to her that Wyndham should have classed her even for a moment with those weak emotional creatures who submitted to his influence. Why, he might just as well have said that she was influenced by Ted Haviland, the fact being that no engaged woman ever preserved her independence more completely than she had done. Had devotion to Ted interfered with her appreciation of Wyndham? Then she reflected that Wyndham did not know about her engagement any more than other people. So when Mr. Flaxman Reed called, as he did on Monday afternoon, Audrey met him with a mind secure against any malignant charm. His most innocent remarks excited her suspicion. I'm glad you found your way to St. Teresa's. We don't often get such a strong contingent from the other side. By the other side, Mr. Reed meant Middlesex, but to Audrey the phrase was insidiously controversial. She determined to take her stand once and for all. I'm afraid my heterodoxy is incorrigible. So, I should say, is Mr. Langley Wyndham's. The vicar raised his eyebrows in mild surprise. I don't know why he came, unless it was for old acquaintance' sake. Ah, you knew him, didn't you? Do tell me about him. He's public property, you know. I dare say, but I have no right to discuss him. We hardly ever meet now. If we did, we shouldn't agree. We are enigmas to each other. Yes, she said meditatively, and with a faint reproduction of Wyndham's manner. I should say you would be. He belongs so essentially to the present, don't you think? Flaxman Reed flushed painfully. And I to the past? Is that what you mean? Yes, I think I do. You may be right. I suppose he is very modern, a decadent who would rather die with his day than live an hour behind it, who can't see that the future may have more kindred with the past than with the present. Mind you, I'm not talking of him, but of his school. Then you read him? Of course, everybody reads him. I've not much time for any reading that lies outside my work, but I read his first book when it came out. Is it from him you get what you call your heterodoxy? No, you have to think these things out for yourself. Audrey was led into making this statement simply by the desire to please. That eternally feminine instinct told her that at the moment she would be most interesting to Flaxman Reed in the character of a forlorn skeptic. His face sharpened with a sudden distrust. What? have you got the malady of the century the disease of thought surely this is something new it is one can't go on forever in the old grooves one must think yes that curse is laid upon us for our sins audrey smiled a bitter smile as much as to say that she must have committed some awful crime to be so tormented with intellect as she was i suppose he continued guilelessly every earnest mind must go through this sooner or later Yes, but I've come out on what you call the other side. I can't go back, can I? 
No, but you can go round. Audrey shook her head sadly, feeling all the time how nice it was to be taken seriously. Why not? Why not compromise? What is life but compromise? What else is my own position as an Anglican priest? I dare say you know that my heart is not altogether with the church I serve. He checked himself. He had not meant to strike this personal note and how could he explain the yearning of his heart for the great heart of the mother church this would have been possible last year at oxford but not now i tell you this because i feel it might perhaps help you no i know what you will say next you will tell me to stop thinking because it hurts me i won't you will go on thinking in spite of me but your intellect will be feeding on itself you will get no farther thought can never be satisfied with thought flaxman reed was only a simple pure-minded priest but wyndham himself could not have chosen words more subtly calculated to establish the influence to have two such champions battling for possession of her soul was exciting enough in all conscience but she was inexpressibly flattered by that dramatic conception of herself as a restless intellect struggling with the storms of doubt it would be hard to say how flaxman reed came to believe in any real passion of thought behind audrey's spiritual coquetry his ministration to a living illusion was almost as touching as his devotion to a dead ideal but audrey herself was too completely the thrall of the illusion to feel compunction there was no voice to warn him that his enthusiasm was the prey of the eternal vanity he leaned back in his meditative hieratic attitude his elbows resting on the arm of his chair his thin hands joined at the fingertips wondering what he should say to help her after all audrey had stated her case a little vaguely there was a reticence as to details these however he easily supplied from his own experience supposing hers to have been more or less like it he said he wished he had known of this before that he had spoken sooner wincing perceptibly as audrey pointed out the inexpediency of discussing eternal things on so temporal an occasion as her dinner-party he did not mean that his time now was short he had a stupid parish meeting at five o'clock he went rapidly over the ground past immemorial stumbling-stones of thought refuting current theories suggesting lines of reading in his excitement he even recommended some slight study of patristics there was nothing like getting to the sources polycarp and irenaeus were important or he could lend her lightfoot but he did not want to overwhelm her with dogmas mere matter for the intellect he would prefer her to accept some truths provisionally and see how they worked out after all the working out was everything he wanted her to see that it was a question of will in the crisis of his own life he had helped himself most by helping others practically he meant seeing after his poor people and so on didn't she think it might be the same with her audrey looked grave it was good to be taken seriously but this was going a little too far didn't she think she could do something other ladies flaxman reed was doing well very well indeed but he had spoiled it all by that hopelessly inartistic touch any man of the world could have told him that to mention other ladies to audrey to take her out of the circle of supreme intelligences in which he had placed her ten minutes ago and to confuse her with the rank and file of parochial underlings and hangers-on was death to the influence it was an insult to her glorious womanhood some people might even have objected that such crass ignorance of the world he renounced detracted from the merit of the renunciation her voice was very cold and distant as she answered him what do you suppose i could do 
if you mean slumming i've never been down a slum in my life no he didn't mean slumming exactly to tell the truth he could not fancy audrey mingling with the brutal side of life he would have shrunk from giving her work that he committed without a pang to his deaconesses and sisters do you mean mother's meetings then and that sort of thing i couldn't no he didn't mean mother's meetings either but he thought she might like to come sometimes to their social evenings social evenings that was worse than all he had plunged in his nervousness to the lowermost bathos audrey saw that he looked puzzled and disheartened she crossed over to her writing-desk wrote out a cheque for five pounds and gave it to him with the prettiest action in the world i want you to take that for your poor people i wish i could help in some other way but i can't i am so sorry the apology was sweetness itself but she had the air of having settled her account with humanity and him he thanked her gravely and took his leave reminding her that whenever she needed his help it would still be there she remained musing some time after he had gone he little guessed how nearly he had won the victory perhaps he would have scorned any advantage gained by an appeal to her sex though he had conceded much to it more than he well knew End of chapter 12 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine